Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Never, ever, ever be frightened to make a mistake. Because if you're scared of making a mistake, you ain't going to be the best person you're going to be. Welcome to the Humorology Podcast with me, Paul Barros, and my glittering lineup of guests from the worlds of business, sport, and entertainment, who are going to share their wisdom and their use of humour. Humorology is the study of how humour can dramatically improve your business success and your life. Humorology puts the fun into business fundamentals, increases the value of your laughing stock, and puts a punchline back into your bottom line. Please remember to like, subscribe and leave a review wherever you get your podcasts. My guest on this edition of the Humorology podcast is rightly considered a legend in the world of rugby. He comes from a spectacular rugby dynasty that includes Merv the Swerve, the King and his dad. He excelled at both codes, captained his country and has been on two British Lions tours. Since retiring from rugby, he's been equally successful in the world of media as a hilarious inspirational speaker, author, TV presenter and pundit. Passion, pride, heart and humour are at the core of everything he does. Scott Quinnell, welcome to the Humorology podcast. Mr Barros, good to be here with you. How are you? Oh, I'm all the better for seeing you, my friend. How are you? I marvel. I didn't realise I was related to the king. <laughs> Barry, Barry John. Barry John was known as the king, and outside are one of the greats. I, I genuinely got excited then that I was related to the royal family. So I do apologise. So I, I have a big smile on my face. I thought it was Elvis, but never mind. It was. Uh, uh-huh. <laughs> I have. I, 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 I have. I have no hip movement. Oh no, that's Tom Jones, isn't it? That's uh, Tom Jones, and I have no hip movement. So yeah, yeah, just 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 the outside half, the king, the king, the king, an absolute king as well. How are you? I'm very, very well, and I'm very excited to see you again and speak to you again because we've worked together over the last ten years and had so much fun. So when I was doing the Humorology podcast list, you were always number one because you've always oh. been fun in every business that we've been involved in. Um, I am, I am going to watch them all now to see how many people you tell that. <laughs> so I, I'm just going to watch, I'm going to watch all of them now, and then I'll probably be down. How many? I'll probably be at fifteen by the end. Right? I'm not sure you're going to make it as high as fifteen, mate. To be honest. <laughs> I've only got an attention span for 15. <laughs> um, sport today is considered to be a serious business. Was there more fun uh, in your day 
I think they still have fun now. You know, you have a look at the boys, and uh, I'm lucky enough. I do some work for the Welsh Union. Uh, I do some work in the, in the media, and you see the guys now, and they're having some fun, and uh, you, you're getting out there, and uh, you see you're seeing those uh, characters uh, come out, and um, they still got the funny hairdos, and uh, they're still walking around, they're still playing pranks on each other, they're still uh, there's not so much alcohol uh, taken. I think in the in the in the modern day. Uh, as they do, and uh, when we were back, uh, we were playing. It, it, it was the humour that really got you through, you know. Uh, the amateur times uh, were slightly different because you'd only train maybe on a Tuesday and a Thursday, play on a Saturday. Uh, but then when it became professional, you spend more time with each other. You, then you know you really do become more of a, a family, working six days a week with each other. And if you don't have some fun, then you know uh, it's going to be a, a long old season. How important do you think? the word becoming like a family is for any business, whether that's a sports team or whether that's, uh, you know, you do a lot of corporate work these days to bring them together as a family. How important do you think that is? I think it's absolutely vital. I think you need a, a, a shared common goal uh, to start with. You, you need, all need to understand where you're going. You all need to understand what you need to achieve uh, out of that, whether it's a sports franchise, whether it's business, whether... Uh, you, you're just uh, working in, in a small group or a group of a thousand people. If you don't know where you're all going, then, you know, what's the point in, in doing what you're doing? I think humour brings a lot into that, especially, you know, if you're together a lot in sport, you'll be travelling uh, a lot. Uh, you spend a lot of time in the changing room. Uh, I think as a professional athlete, it's not the amount of time you train, it's the amount of time that you get to rest and recuperate and uh, have the uh, wonderful facilities in and around you, the ice baths, uh, the cryotherapy chambers. Uh, it, it, you know, it, it's just that is what it brings. And if you don't have the humour in and around that, there was one guy there with us uh, in the Scarlet, and his name was uh, uh, Ian Bubia, and um, he was a brilliant uh, open side uh, forward. Uh, he was a brilliant man, uh, is a brilliant man, and uh, but he brought the humour to it. Uh, you know, uh, every every week somebody would have uh, their trainers or their shoes, or after the game you'd be going to get changed, and your tie and your shoes would be uh, put in the freezer. Uh, Put in ice, put in ice bucket, put in the freezer. You come out, and there your shoes were. Uh, you know, and everybody would have a giggle over that. Apart from if they were your shoes, uh, yeah, and, uh, <laughs> you know. And, and he, he would bring uh, quizzes uh, on buses and on aeroplanes, and uh, he would bring the, the logistical thinking uh, quizzes. Uh, and everybody would just have a laugh, and everybody would get engaged. And it was a common thread to, uh, throughout the, throughout the squad. But he was the catalyst of that. And uh, you know, uh, I never forget we were uh, in Italy, and he was following one of the players around. And uh, as he was following one of the players around, it went it went from week to week to week. And then uh, we went to France, and then we, we played in I think Northampton, and then we went out to Italy the the, the third week out, out of the European campaign. And uh, he was outside uh, one of the players' rooms, and all the year was Bobia. He'd ripped the last four pages out of Sir Alex Ferguson's autobiography, uh, and he'd been waiting for three weeks for him to find out that he'd written, ripped the last three pages out. And everybody came out. Everybody <laughs> had a giggle. Uh, the player involved did, doesn't know what happened to Sir Alex Ferguson to this day. Uh, and if I told you his name now, he'd be on the phone and he would kill me. Uh, it was, but it was brilliant. It was things like that. It was th it was things like that. It was uh, uh, never forget the likes of 
uh, Dwayne Peel uh, and Stephen Jones. Uh, the, the, we used to have life-size characters uh, cut out cardboard in, in the Millennium Stadium, as it was then. And we were training one day, and uh, they managed to stick the cardboard cutout of Robin McBride in the back of their car. And they lived not too far away, and they left early. The forwards had another session, so uh, we were going home a bit later. And on the roundabout outside Robin's house was Robin's cardboard cutout, dressed up as a woman with a little handbag on his arm. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> he came back in the following day. He was absolutely well. He was fuming but laughing as much as he could at, at the same time. <clears throat> I think one of the best things I ever heard was uh, Mark Jones said that. Uh, he got back to his base in Australia in 2003 and uh, the boys, again, I presume it was uh, Dwayne Peel and Stephen Jones because they, they, they were the characters at the time. Uh, there was a sheep put into his room before they went training. They went training for four hours, came back and the sheep made a little bit of a mess of his bedroom. Uh, so, yeah, yeah, you need those characters in the team. If you don't have that, then, uh, you know, uh, you have long days. So what do you think it actually brings to a team? Is it, I mean, is it just uh, that it lightens the load or it, it gives you a reason to bond? What's the most important thing about uh, humour, about laughter in team situations? I think the important thing uh, with humour is the fact that when you're struggling and when the team is struggling and when, because when things are going well, everybody's buoyant and everybody's happy and everybody's on the cloud nine, it's absolutely brilliant. But when you're struggling, that's the important time. Is when you need somebody just to pick you up, somebody just to say something, somebody just to do something, somebody just to uh, break that um, silence and say to uh, and put everything in perspective. And once you're able to do that, then I think you can uh, you, you, you can discuss what's happening and you can get on with it. Uh, until that happens, I think everybody sort of gets down on themselves. I think a lot of the time it's it's you go back to the old adage, a problem shared is a problem halved. Um, and you could do a lot of that through humour, and I think that people do that a lot through humour. You have a look at some of the great comedians that have been around, people who have struggled uh, maybe with depression or they've uh, struggled being able to get on stage. <clears throat> it's because humour and 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 becoming somebody else allows them to not to understand where they were, what was so bad, why they were struggling. And getting on that stage, they become somebody else. And that for an hour, a moment in time, that when you're under a stressful situation, somebody just says one thing could change your mindset and push you in a different direction. I think that's so true. And, uh, you know, I know that when you're doing your keynote speeches and your after dinners and your inspirational speaking, that you always, A, make sure that everybody in the team knows that. And when we work together, but you are one of those people who not only says it, you walk the walk and talk the talk at the same time. And that's very unusual for people to be able to bo do both. And I should tell, we've, we've worked together for a, a number of years uh, on TV shows and things. And actually, every time we've been together over many series, you have always been the person who has gelled the whole crew and brought them together. How important do you think that is in any team to have people who bring people together rather than push people apart? 
it's vital you all know where you're going, as, as we said earlier. It's vital that, that you, you have uh, a common goal. Uh, and through that common goal, I think it's important that uh, you, you, myself, I, I do my best. And you, you can ask and you can ask other people to do exactly the same. Everybody's going to have different qualities. You've got to understand what qualities uh, people have. <clears throat> I, I always say to people, it's, it's important to know the people that, that need a hug or need a coach in Wales. It's important to know people who, who need a tap on the shoulder. It's important to know the people that need encouragement. It's important to know the people who need a kick up the backside. It's important to know the people who need to be challenged. It's important to know the people that need to be encouraged in the right direction. Because we're all different. That's the beauty of, of, of the human race, is that we're all different. Uh, and we all come together. And when you're in a team of, uh, of 15 playing, but 23 match day, or maybe 35 to 45 in a squad, everybody is totally different. Now, if you treat everybody the same, then you will have lots of different outcomes. You'll have a lot of... If, 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 you, if, you coach somebody, if you coach somebody who needs a, a kick up the backside, they're going to react in a different way to, to the, the kick up the backside. So it's important in identifying what people need. It's important as a captain or a coach or as a senior authority in, in a team environment to understand what those people need and if you can do that i think you can grow as a squad you can grow as a team and you can grow as an individual as well i i think it's so right and uh, one of the things that that you and i have talked about in the our book leader on the pitch is also about listening isn't it and what you just described there was the ultimate listening who needs what I, you have to be aware. And I think great leaders are great listeners. But I, 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 I think you're exactly right. I think, I think you need to understand what people need around you. But I think what a lot of people don't understand through that. When you talk about a good listener, it's not only hearing what they say, it's seeing how they say it. It's seeing how they do it. it, it it's, it's expressing themselves. In so many businesses and in so many sports, people will say the right thing, but will gesture the wrong thing. I think you know you you, you need if somebody says I'm absolutely fine and walks away with their head down, and you know they're not fine, and then something else is needed, more intervention is needed. If you if you can do that through uh, through a, a team, an individual, uh, if you can do that. Uh, through humour. That's how I've always really dealt with things. It's through humour. If you, if you can make somebody laugh, and you can get them on your side and you, you can um, pull a team together with a common goal uh, and, and then let every individual, you know, believe they've come up with their, the game plan in their own different way, then everybody then buys into it. You know, if you go around pointing the finger, tell them you've got to do this, you've got to do that, you've got to do this, you've got to do that, it becomes a dictatorship. And then when the shit hits a fan, you know, people walk away. Brilliant. Levels of listening. Humor. I thought this was about humour. <laughs> <laughs> tell us a well, joke. But, or tell us a joke. Uh, but but humour is levels of listening. And I yeah. think that's a takeaway for for our viewers and our listeners. Is that well, the thing is, I, 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 this is what I this is why I love about comedy. This is what I love about humour. Is the fact that <clears throat> if you go to a, if you go along to a rugby game and you get involved in the rugby game and there's seventy two and a half thousand people get involved in the rugby game, the noise is incredible. The noise is just absolutely wonderful. 
And, and, and that noise pushes that individual, the team, to success. To, uh, and and it's, it's a huge, huge part of it. We're seeing that now with COVID-19. We're seeing that now, uh, you know, down uh, AFL games and NFL games. And we're seeing that in cricket now. We're seeing that in football where the crowd plays a huge part. It's not there. It's not quite the same. And we see that when you go to a music festival or you go to a, a gig, you know, when it was Coldplay a couple of years ago, one of the greatest gigs uh, that I've been to, it was all about movement. It was all about the flashing bands. It was all about the brilliant. It was all about the singing along. It was all about the passion. It was all about uh, the the moment, the being in the moment. He said, you know, uh, Chris Martin, put your phone down, just be in the moment. Now, if you did that when you went to uh, see a comedy gig, it wouldn't work. If you if you're if you're seeing if you're seeing you know the, the brilliant Lee Evans uh, standing on stage uh, for an hour and a half two hours, if you joked along with him, it's a different it's a different environment. It, it's it's a different humour uh, altogether. That's called heckling. Uh, so I think that's why when you talk about uh, humour, you talk about it, it's the ability to be able to listen. To be able to, to sit 20,000 people down on their backsides and for them not to say anything for two hours, I think is the biggest skill of the lot. What makes you laugh? You just mentioned Lee Evans, who also Alistair McGowan on our show uh, mentioned as one of his favourites. Who else makes you laugh? Billy Connolly. Just, you know, growing up... Uh, just watching Billy Connolly, and I, the one thing, I, the one thing I love um, about Billy Connolly is that when he gets on stage, it's, it's, you almost feel as if that that routine was the first time he's ever done that routine because he puts a lot of things about about the local when when he did the, the trip around the, the world and, and when he did those, uh, you know, there was always something about the local community. There was always something, but there was probably the local community in every community and. But it meant so much to the people that were there because, you know, he, he engaged them. He made them feel a part of the show. And if you can make those people feel a part of the show and you can still say the things that you want to say, and it probably wasn't the same routine every night, then it keeps it fresh for him. It keeps it fresh for the, the audience. And they both have a fantastic time. Billy Cordley, you know, sort of Lee Evans, these these type of guys, almost as if you're in their front room, listening to them have a beer and and just regale tales. Uh, that for me is, I think, uh, absolute class. Tell me a true funny story about something that's happened to you. Oh, well, we're talking about music festivals, right? Every time I go to a music festival. I end up in the comedy tent because it's where you sort of gravitate to sort of a half past nine, 10 o'clock at night. You know, the comedians come on, you've had a few sherbets and it's absolutely brilliant. You could do, go to the same gig every night for a week and, you know, you probably think you've seen it for the first time. And I never get, uh, I was with uh, my, my kids and my wife, Nick, uh, Sam, Lucy and Steve were with us uh, in the Green Man Festival. And uh, we had such a good night. I think it was a Friday night. Uh, we had such a good night. Oh, it was brilliant. We were we were there. Ellis James, Mick uh, uh, was on. He was playing the piano, playing his songs, and uh, yeah, the comedy was just oh, till about two o'clock in the morning. Everybody was just in stitches. And then 
on the, the following day, I'm having a bit of food, and my daughter Lucy, she comes, uh, she comes over. She said, "Dad," I said, "What's the matter, darling?" She said, "Dad," she said, "I went to the comedy tent just now." She said, and that's all the guy talked about was his book. It was shit. I said, "Darling, what do you want about?" She said, "Well, I just, I just come from the comedy tent. He was hopeless. That's all he talked about was writing a book." I said, "Darling." The comedy tent doesn't start till half past nine. It's a literary tent in the day. <laughs> and she went, oh, that will explain it then. It wasn't a bad book. <laughs> 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 and I, so I sat there and I thought, oh, that's just brilliant. That is what just is- brilliant. I have not, I, got, I got to figure that routine. I, I, got to, I got to put that routine into my ear. Uh, into my after dinner because, uh, well, that, that, yeah, yeah. I almost fucked the pie out, but as you can see, I didn't. <laughs> Do you think everyone is funny? I think everybody has the capability of being funny. I, I, I do. Uh, uh, I've got a couple of friends who think they're funny and aren't. Uh, but because of that, they're funny. I, I think is the, uh, is the truth of it. Uh, I think a lot of people, a lot of people are quite funny, but can't tell stories. I think you get, you know, I, uh, there's uh, a couple of people that I won't mention now because uh, they live in my house and uh, <laughs> they, 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 the story is brilliant and what they're trying to say is brilliant, but doesn't always come across. So I get them write it down, I pinch them. So it's quite, it's quite good. It's quite good. Uh, so I think, I think everybody has the ability to be funny and I think humour is what, unites i think unites the world i i, I think in in that respect i think sort of music uh, i think sport i think uh, comedy is the one common denominator that will uh, always bring us together well on the back of that what would the world be like without humor the problem we've got you see is we're going to get quite deep here is that we don't know any different so i i think that because we don't know any different we you know, we'll sit down on uh, Thursday or Friday night and we watch Mock the Week and we will watch um, Have I Got News For You and uh, we watch KY uh, and we will just lap it up. Uh, if they weren't on, what else would we be doing? I think that that is the thing, I, you know, because we because humour has always been a part of our lives and whenever we sit down and we, we, we sit down and we have a glass of wine and we have, we have some food, I think we just try to make each other laugh. And, and because we try to make each other laugh, we got a common goal uh, in that in that uh, respect. I couldn't imagine not having humour in my life because it'd be just boring, wouldn't it? I just, I just, I genuinely, I could not imagine it. Like, I, I, you know, and and of course, everybody's everybody everybody's humour is different. That's what that's what I love. You know, people talk about people talk about to me. You know, uh, they love country music, or they love R and B, or they like house, or they like grunge, or they like uh, you know pop, or they like seventies, or they like eighties. What's wrong with people that like eighties music? Of course, unless they're watching you. Um, <laughs> then it, it's you know, and comedy is the same. Comedy is exactly the same. You know what I mean? Uh, you know, you, nobody would like every comedian. You find the one that tickles your funny bone, and you go with it. Yeah. So it gets to the gets to people's heart. There is something in it. 
which is how come we love funny people so much because we put them on a pedestal don't we why is that always true around the world because it it, it takes you to a different place it takes you to a different place it, it allows you to, to forget about the everyday woes as they say and and, and just be put into uh, a different a, a different place a different mindset it'll change your mood it'll change the endorphins that you have uh, in, in in your body it will uh, give you the ability to be able to um, uh, uh, they say that laughing uh, you know sort of uh, uh, makes you happy, puts you in a different mood. If you get up in the morning and, and, and you're grumpy, you'll be grumpy for the rest of the day. If you get up and you smile, you'll be happy for the rest of the day. And I think that's wonderful, you know. You know, you, 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 who's there? I, 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 I'm, uh, oh, are you air? Are you air, air? Mickey Flanagan, isn't it? Uh, you know, and I, honestly, my wife has watched Mickey Flanagan live probably 30 times. And every time you get something slightly different from it. But you see all your mates. And I form a, you know, if I form a mate, I go, are you coming out? He goes, are you at? Are you at? You know, and you just say, that's just amazing. That's just amazing. That, that is how uh, comedy works. And, you know, you, you uh, Eddie Murphy, uh, when he did uh, the routine about uh, dropping the ice cream. I got an ice cream. I got it. He drops it. Oh, you know, and people are still singing that. And if somebody drops an ice cream, that's the first thing I think of. Is that <laughs> so? It it it's just those wonderful, wonderful moments in your life, and and the genius that the, the, the these people have is is just incredible, absolutely incredible. Do you find yourself funny? Uh, my 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 children and my wife say yes because I say something and I laugh, or even worse. I will laugh and then say something. So I, I, I got to be honest with you. If I did a gig and there was thirty of me in the audience, I'd be happy. I think, I think, I, th I think, I think I'd be all right. I think I'd be all right. Well the, well, the funny thing is, I think that's the perfect answer because, as a psychologist, what I would say is that part of a comedian's job is to actually, or anybody who wants to be funny, wants to be liked, wants to uh, have people laugh with them, is that they have to go into that state first. And that yeah. state transfers over to other people. Because, you know, I've always said that you're infectious, haven't I? Um, well, and, and I've given you tablets for it. Um, <laughs> uh, but the thing is, when you talk about that, right, um, I, I think I'm more likely to laugh at myself I, I i i like i you know a lot of people uh sort of they're, they're perfectionists and they, they want to do everything right and i'm i'm kind of the opposite because i don't mind making mistakes because a lot of the time it's quite funny so i'm in the mindset of because I struggled, because I we go back because I, I was dyslexic and struggled to read and write and everything. I suppose that's my coping strategy. So where you know you you either fought or you became funny. Now I'm not that funny, and I'm a bloody good fighter. So <laughs> you, know, you 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 choose. <laughs> I think I'd rather laugh with you than fight you. <laughs> To be honest yeah, with you. I think it's important to be able to laugh at yourself. Uh, if you can't laugh at yourself, then you can't t 
take the mickey out of other people. If, you, if you're in a room of people and you take something personally that they say, then it, it's, it's all wrong. You know, you, you've got to be able to laugh at yourself before you expect other people to laugh at you. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard. But now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com wondersuite. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Do you think that's a big mistake that that leaders in business don't get? Because there is, you know, I work in big companies and with CEOs, and you sometimes find those leaders who want to be taken seriously at all times, and they leave no room for anybody to humanise them, if you like. You know, do, do you think that's a big mistake? I think it is. I think you've got to have a balance. Uh, if, if you're leading an organisation or you're leading a group of people, if, if you're captain in Wales, it can't all just be a, a, a joke. You know, you, you've got to have 90% serious and then 10% of it then has got to be, you've got to find humour in, in, in some uh, sort of it. If you're running a big organisation, you've got to be able to make sure that you get your work done and you've got to get it done in the, in, in the process in, in a way. But I think if you add the humour to it, I think it certainly adds value to, to you and, and to your team. It certainly adds value to the business. It adds value to the core if you can add humour to it. I think that's the vital thing, is the fact that you, know, you, you, you can't just go in there. Because if you take yourself seriously 24-7, then you know, the, the, there's not going to be much else in your life really uh, to be able to hold on to. And when things don't quite go right, then, you know, that seriousness then uh, certainly becomes a darker place to, to, to be in, uh, I think. I, I've worked with some brilliant CEOs over over the years where they really, really, really do, 
you know, um, I, I've worked with people that have been on stage and uh, I've, I've come on dressed up in fancy dress costume just to make 2,000 of their employees laugh. Because if your CEO can walk on with a funny costume and make people laugh, then, you know, you yes, you take him seriously because he wouldn't be in that position in the first place. But you know he's got a human side to him as well. And I think that is vital uh, in bringing people together. So do you think people laugh enough at the workplace? Or is it, is it you know, it feels like work's over here, fun's after work. Do you think there should be more laughter in the workplace? It's very difficult to answer that, Paul, because I've always worked in an environment where we've had fun. So I, I don't... I, you know, working from a working, uh, you know, for myself for long periods of time, and uh, we've got a candle business now, and uh, you know, I, I do a lot of motivational speaking, I do a lot of after dinner speaking, I work at the uh, at the union, I work for Sky for, for for years, and I do some radio, I do some presenting on television. If you don't, if, if I wasn't having a laugh in those situations, I probably wouldn't be doing the job. So, um, for me, it's, it's very important. For me, I need to feel comfortable. I need to feel good around the people. I've always said it's nice to work with nice people. And if you can do that and you can find your way through that, then it, it's wonderful. I don't think I would last long in an organisation if it was too serious. So, what advice would you give to people who are in offices, who are leading groups. I mean, how do you think they can, in, apart from, uh, you know, inviting you in to speak to their teams and giving them the energy and the, the laughs that are involved in that, how else do you think you can get humour into everyday life at work? Uh, I, I, you know, I, I think it's it, it's a lot of it is down to, to the individuals. I think a lot of it is down to putting the right people in the right places. I think uh, if you get the right team in and you get the right balance of the right team, then I think it's a lot easier to work with those people around you. You need to have uh, you need to have the skill set that you need to do the job, and then you need to have the balance of bringing people together. You need to have uh, you need to have somebody who's maybe really, really serious and then somebody who's not quite so serious to bring the team together that that that, that gel. Some of the, the some of the most incredible minds and, and, and some of the funniest people uh, that, that I've seen are, are, are surgeons. You know, I got I've got a friend who's a neurosurgeon and he is one of the funniest guys that, that you'll ever see. Uh, quite quite dark humour. Uh, but if they don't have that, then if, if you if you work and uh, you have a look at what we've been through at the moment, you have a look at uh, uh, the frontline uh, nurses and doctors and uh, uh, porters and cleaning staff and everybody in hospitals. If they don't have a sense of humour in what they do and, and and camaraderie in as a team and and a togetherness. They would not have got us through this. They would not be getting us through this uh, because you know it, 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 it's it's a dark, dark place. It, it's uh, uh, it, it's a different front line that, that that they've ever experienced before. It's a different front line that we've ever experienced before, um, and a, a lot of that is uh, a team coming together through humour. And uh, if they can do that, then you know I think uh, I, I think uh, it's a very, very special place to be as well. 
I, I think you're completely right. And one of the questions that I ask a, a lot of people, especially business people who are on this podcast, billionaires and CEOs who are on the podcast is, how do you make whoa, a whoa, business? Whoa, whoa, what am I doing here though? Well, <laughs> it's, you told me you, I would get a billion if I had you on. I thought you, you told, it's yin and yang, is it? It's yin, <laughs> it's yin and yang and I'm, I'm yang. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not billionaire Ying. I'm, 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 I'm not billionaire Yanging. Yangy. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> yes, but but I always say, what's the business case for having more humour at work? And I think you've just come up with one of the ideal things in the business case is camaraderie. Is yeah. it engenders camaraderie? And guess what? If you have people who uh, feel like they are together as a unit, they're more likely to push you forward and yeah. and and give you more for your business. Do you think that's true? Absolutely, and I think we've I think we've seen that. Uh, you know, I was lucky enough myself at Carlow Border when we did the great indoors on BBC One Wales uh, for eight weeks through um, uh, the the lockdown. And people were sending us in videos uh, of them uh, dancing, doing TikToks. They were sending us videos of of uh, young children. Uh, you know, sort of there was Rocco, one boy, Rocco, he's brilliant. Uh, he did Shane Williams going to try, and then he did uh, Dan Bigger doing a kick. And then uh, on Twitter yesterday, he was doing um, oh Jamie Roberts. Uh, and you just you just think it's just wonderful that humour brings a smile to everybody's face. We've seen nurses and doctors do music. We've seen. Uh, them uh, uh, dancing uh, in, in the corridors during their break time to break that 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 heaviness that they have got to do day in day out of, of saving these you know uh, the, the, the lives that they, they are on the front line and um, if if you don't have that and you don't have that doubt you don't have that. Uh, uh, outlet to be able to uh, get the frustrations out, get some humour back in, to be able to go and cope and do another shift, to go and be able to go and and, and and put a smile on somebody else's face. Because a lot of the time they don't feel like doing the job themselves. They've been in frightening positions. And if they can't put the bright, uh, sort of brave smile on their face, then who's going to, you know? And uh, I think that's the biggest thing. When you talk about camaraderie and you talk about, uh, you know, playing sport and you talk about, you know, health workers on the front line and you talk about uh, people who are running billion pound businesses, then uh, when uh, the shit is the fun or when you're in a, a place that, that nobody wants to be, then you have got to then become somebody else. And by doing that, you can do something, do that through humor. You can do that uh, like um, the great Stephen Fry uh, has said before, you know, uh, when he walks on stage, he becomes somebody else for that hour. And when he comes off stage again, he can sometimes, you know, go in and have uh, have some mental health issues, of, uh, you know, and, and it's the ability to be able to do that. And hopefully through humour and through people, through camaraderie, people around you will know who needs that coach or needs a kick up the bum or needs that, how can I help you or needs that challenge to be able to, to, to push you forward and, and, and through the other side. So, I, I mean, I completely agree. And I think that's really interesting from a business case is that, that 
if you encourage, you know, I know in sport that they encourage teams to go out and celebrate together and bond together. And if you encourage back, there is a real return on investment. You can... <laughs> Yeah, no, yeah, absolutely. If you bring people together and you bring people together uh, in, in in the right way, um, and, and uh, you take them out, and uh, you uh, the 1997 Lions tour, you know, uh, we went and we did team ball doing things, and 2001, uh, Graham Henry turned us into a Maraca marching band. You know, I, I think I was, I was playing. I, I, the only thing I could play was. Do you mean a mariachi? <laughs> you mean a mariachi marching what I, band? What did I say? What did I say? You said maraca, but. Uh... but I, well, I, had, I was playing maracas. <laughs> right, so it, so it was so I was we, we were both right, and uh, it, but something like that that took you out of your comfort zone, something totally different, took your mind out from the fact that we're going to play a British and Irish Lions tour. In South Africa, in Australia, or go down to New Zealand, and, and and brings you together. A couple of beers bring you together. Good coffee bring you together. The fact that you stand up. Uh, but in all this, I think finding out where you want to go, where you want to go, whether it's as a sporting franchise, whether it's a business, whether it's in your personal life, you've got to know where you want to go. Because if you don't know where you're going, how the hell are you going to get there? So true, so true. Have you ever taken a joke too far? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I think we both uh, know the answer to that one, don't we? Yeah, well, what's too far? <laughs> what's too, what, what is too far? Well, uh, crossing the line. I mean, anything... I got my own, got my own spray paint, just in case, you know, you've, you've got to put another line in the sand. Uh, yeah, yeah, but how do you learn? If you're a comedian, you go on tour to find out where the line is. Uh, and I, I think, you know, yeah, you, you, sometimes you say something and the audience go, ooh. Sometimes the unknown and perhaps sometimes over the line is a place you need to be. So uh, who knows until you've been there. I've always said that, that comedians naturally have to push the line. And the interesting <laughs> thing I've always said about you is you have all the instincts of a comedian because you will push things uh, far. You will naturally do things that comedians call call back, which is, you know, referring to something. You will naturally, you have natural funny bones. W was that always there? I mean, was the, the, the seven-year-old Scott Quinnell naturally funny? Um, because I've got a poor memory, I can't, I, I don't know. Um, I'm like a goldfish, is you know, you go sort of keep on going around the, around the bowl. Oh, uh, oh, I've seen that before. Um, I can't, I, I, can I phone a friend? I think it's, it's one of those situations. I, I, don't, I don't think when I was younger, I was very, very quiet, I was quite insular. Um, I was, I wasn't a guy, I, I wasn't, I wasn't the young kid who wanted to go to parties. Uh, my mother would drop me off to the, at, at the door of my friend's party and uh, I would run back in the car and I'd go home. I, um, I'm quite a loner. Um, I, I, I like travelling by myself. Um, it's just one of those situations where uh, sort of you, you got to, when, when, you, when you play sport, you've got to become somebody else. 
when you when you when you sometimes when you stand up on stage, I wouldn't say half the things I say on stage as myself. I no, I wouldn't have the I wouldn't have the confidence to be able to do it. You put a mic in my hand, then it, it, it sort of changes a little bit. I wouldn't like to be I wouldn't like to be around myself all the time. That that guy on stage, it's that ability to be able to go out and just and and just be somebody else for for uh, an hour, uh, an hour and uh, a half. And uh, but I have the core value. The core values are always there. The core values of wanting to help people. The core values of wanting to be the best you can be, uh, not taking myself too serious. The the, the core values of uh, trying to help people. Uh, and if you can put all that into to, to one basket, that when I played rugby, it took me 24 hours to become Scott Cornell, the rugby player. Uh, because if I did what I did on a rugby field in a supermarket, I'd be arrested. You know, it was, uh, it was what I, and, and I, I, you know, I, I'd been retired two years and I tried to plough through uh, the bakery aisle and they were happy, i got to be honest with you. I handed two people off and scored a try with a, uh, with, with a baguette in the corner and uh, I thought it was a fantastic try myself, but uh, no, I was kicked out. But but that's, that's really in, interesting in the sense that you are becoming somebody else. And actually, I think for, for people uh, viewing this or listening to this, it is possible to take on a, a new coat and but put on a new coat and become somebody else. You can learn to be a leader. You can learn to be funnier. You can learn to have new skill sets. You've just really encapsulated, you know, uh, I've known you for years and you've always been quick, funny, witty, charming. But you're saying, actually, I had to put that on to an extent, and then it becomes part of your personality. So how did you do that? You, you, you learn to do it. You learn, could, you know, can you imagine when you were, can you imagine when you were 10, 15, 20, 25 even, of standing up in front of a room of 2,000 people and somebody saying to you, go make them laugh, go make them smile. You couldn't do it, could you? You, you know, yeah. it, it, you, 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 just, you just couldn't do it. And then, you know, I, I remember at 30, uh, I retired at 32 and I did my first after dinner speech. And uh, my wife, you know, I, went, I did my first after dinner speech and I thought it went, went quite okay. And, and uh, my wife said, oh, that, 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 was, that was good. And I said, yeah, yeah well, they didn't, you know. And then my wife saw me two years later and she said, oh my God. She said, you know, you, you've improved. I said, well, I've done 200 since then. And I think the more you do, the more confidence you get out of it. But I come back to that thing that we talked about earlier. Never, ever, ever be frightened to make a mistake. Because if you're scared of making a mistake, you ain't going to be the best person you're going to be. And, you know, the more mistakes you make, then I think the better you actually become. But you see, I, I completely agree. But I think that's bravery in a sense. It's it's like being brave enough to put yourself out there. To I mean, I, all the people 
on this podcast have reached a very high level on in different areas of the world. That could be in business, that could be in sport, that could be in entertainment. But actually, the one thing everybody understands is humour is the key to that, but also bravery, being brave enough to make a joke of it, being brave enough to laugh at yourself, being brave enough to push the boundaries, to push yourself out of your own comfort zone. And that's a big part of humour, isn't it? Making, giving it a go, being brave enough. In your case, standing up on stage when you're 32. Brave. It, I, I would rather face the England... 1999, 2001, 2003 pack, uh, the New Zealand All Black pack, uh, then stand up in front of somebody when I was 32. I would, I would have taken the whole pack off myself rather than stand up in a group of 10 people. Now, if the pack turned left into the, into the change room, I'm grabbing the mic and going to talk to 30,000 people. <laughs> you know, like, oh, no, you know. I think, but I think you know. I, I, it, it takes it takes um, a little bit of getting used to, and and you you've got to have um, the ability to, to to be able not to take yourself too seriously, and and, and get up there and, and try new things, and, and, and find out things that work, and, and use those things that work, and put a smile on people's face, and you need to to, to have the ability to uh, laugh things off when things don't go right. You know, what I mean, that's almost you know a contradiction in terms, uh, but you know, it, it's it's just the best feeling in the world. You know, if, if you stand on stage and there's 5,000 people laugh at something that you've just said, uh, it's not, it's, you know, you, 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 you can win, you, you, you can, you can win uh, uh, a game of rugby, you can score a try, you can, but that, for that moment, the endorphins and the, the, the ability to be able to, to stand there and just think, oh, that's amazing. That is absolutely amazing. Doesn't happen very often, but uh, you know, well. It, by uh, the way, when it, it, when when we're doing our when we're doing our trainings, or I'm seeing you on stage doing your inspirational talks, it happens all the time. But wh why does it happen all the time? Because you've worked at it, and and that's what I would say to everybody listening to this who wants to get better in business. Is actually there's a great case in point. Somebody who excelled at one thing, and then managed to take that and excel at another thing in in media. Why has that happened? Because you were brave enough to try. And I think what, uh, you know, it's a short life. If you don't try these things, if you aren't brave, you're never going to know. I mean, the amount of people, you know, you and I, when we've trained people to public speak and everything, it's the public speaking is the number one fear in the world. You know, mm. you know, death is number six. I mean, it's that ridiculous. Dying on stage must be the worst thing ever. Well, uh, well, neither of us would know. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. I've never walked off early. Uh, I persist in going on. But it, it, it's one of those things, right, where uh, I was a rugby player. Uh, I, I started playing rugby at eight, and I, I finished at 32. Now I'm 47, and that's what I've done. That, you know, that's so. You know, people sort of say, "Oh, hey, hey fair play, you know, after rugby, I finished. I finished fifteen years ago. 
And, you know, it, it, it does take work. And, and I say to the guys that are coming out now, you know, and they, they sort of go, Scott, you know, how can you stand up there and do that? I said, well, it, it takes time and it takes work. And it, and you you have your knockbacks, but you go, and then eventually, you know, you you, come, you, you thrive on it. And I think that's the most important thing is if you love what you do, then I think it, it shows as well. Have you ever gotten yourself out of trouble, maybe on the pitch, maybe off the pitch, by using humour? Yeah, I, well, I don't get, I, I'm quite lucky because I don't really get myself in that much trouble. So, you know, I, uh, I'm, 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 like a, I'm a bit of a home burden. Um, I, I, I like my home, I like my, uh, the family, I like the dogs. And the, uh, uh, so, you know, yeah, on the, on the pitch, you know, it, honestly, if, if, if Martin Johnson ran over to me and he was going to clock me when, I wouldn't go knock, knock. You know what I mean? <laughs> I go, oh, yeah, you know, I, I wouldn't be doing that, you know. There, there would, there, probably there'd be a bit of fisticuffs uh, in, in that scenario. You know, I wouldn't be telling jokes on the field. But uh, definitely, uh, you know, uh, it's a corporate strategy. And, you know, if you can diffuse situations, we've done it in, we've done it in a school of hard knocks. We've, we, we've done it on, on training pitches and we've done it in, where if things do tend to get a little bit, you know, angry, like, that's it, I'm going, I'm going, I'm going. And you sort of go, hey, please, so calm and collected, absolutely fine. You know, we've sort this out, no problem at all. Make one of them laugh, all of a sudden they've forgotten what they were doing in the first place. You know, so you, yes, of course, you know, it's, it's a tactic. It's a tactic that you can use in life. It's a tactic that you, you can you can use in sport, in business. Uh, you know, it's destruction. And if you can use destruction uh, like that, then uh, I think humour is the best policy for doing it. Well, that, that's 100% right. And from a psychological point of view, it's state change. If you want to change anybody's state, well, you can get them angry. Or if you make them laugh, it will go much better for you. Did you want an angry Martin Johnson or a laughing Martin Johnson in front of you? Oh, I tickle him every time I see him, though. <laughs> in business, as in sport... Is it the survival of the fittest or the survival of the funniest? I think when you have a look at that, I, I think it's a measure of both. I think, you know, it, it's a measure of um, uh, the, the fittest uh, uh, on, on the field, you know, uh, whether that's in a boardroom, whether you're really good at the job that you do, whether, you know, but, but I think if you, are, uh, you accentuate people if you have a bit of humour as well. I think that, that that's the most important thing. I think if you're in a boardroom and you can make other people laugh, uh, if you're in a, a, an office and you, you can make people laugh, if you're on the rugby field and you can make people laugh, then I think uh, you accentuate all the other attributes that you can bring to an organisation. I think that's 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 the most important thing is the fact that uh, you know you you can tell a, you can tell a little joke uh, you or you can have a little joke or you can play a little joke or you can do that in in around the, the team environment in in around the business environment which is absolutely brilliant um, and if if you do that I think you elevate the, the team uh, to another level. So in business, it is the survival of the funniest because that is the ultimate level. I think if you go into um, a business, you go into a team environment, if you are at the exact same level as the person that you are going against, 
and you can bring a little bit more humour, you can bring a little bit more to the party, as they say, I think in, with uh, a better chance of landing the job. We're now going to go to the section of uh, the podcast. The section. Sec sec We've got a section. <laughs> I thought I heard the tingle. <laughs> We're going to the section of the podcast, which we like to call quickfire questions. We always say that like we're going to have a jingle, but we haven't got one. Um, who is the funniest business person you've met? Um, funniest business person? Oh, oh, there was a guy, Mark Douglas, actually. He, uh, I, I was doing some stuff for NatWest, and he uh, always started any meeting with a joke. And it was a very good joke half the time, but it just absolutely settled the room and he had him in the hand after all that. What book makes you laugh? I have a toilet book. It's a thousand and one jokes. And I've got two volumes of it, so that's two thousand jokes. And I can't remember any of them. It's one of those <laughs> where... You go, and, and uh, this is a goldfish syndrome again. Every time I go, and I read it, I go, <laughs> you know, I go downstairs and I've forgotten all about it. <laughs> uh, what film makes you laugh? Oh, what film makes me laugh? Step Brothers. I love Step Brothers. What word makes you laugh? <laughs> <laughs> It's okay, it's a podcast, you can say it. I saw you just say, I can't say that in your own head. No, it's not, because I can really say it, because it's poor. And, and you just think, you know, all the words you can choose from, you know, it's just poor. I just, I don't, I, I don't know why, that is just, you know, you go, I, 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 I never say it myself, so when somebody says it, I just think, oh. Fucking proud. Just <laughs> <ooh>. <laughs> Okay, on a serious note, what's not funny? I don't know. You can make anything funny, can you? Is it anything not funny? What's not funny for you? Well, there's things I don't find funny, but I also, I always say that you should be able to find a way into it. I, I yeah. mean, I don't like disabled jokes, for instance. I just don't like them. But then, you know, um, if, um, it, you know, one of the comedians on the last leg is doing a joke about that, then I can find it funny. So context. Well, the thing is, right, you, you say that. My mate, uh, Mike DePayde, do I play golf with three times a week? Right, Mike the pirate uh, has only got one leg, and uh, if he beats me, I always tell him on the 18th. Always tell him on the 18th. It's okay for you. I've got two bad knees. <laughs> so I don't know. So, everything is funny in the well, right context. I think I, I, I don't think everything's funny. But I think you can find the humour in most things. No. Would you rather be considered clever or funny? Oh, shit, I'm never going to be clever, so it's got to be funny. Yeah. So, I, I, you know, I, 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 I've got a doctorate from MMU, and I, I've got a Chancellor's Award from Cardiff Metropolitan University. Right? I've only ever been to, to university for two half days, and that's only because I was quite funny. <laughs> so, I don't know. 
Well, no, it stands to reason. Um, desert Island gags is our final thing. If you were on a desert island and you could only take one joke with you, what would it be? Am I on my own? Yes. Who am I going to tell it to? <laughs> well, remember, you've got a goldfish memory, so you're going to find it funny every day. Oh, that's true. Uh, Catalina Wine Mixer! That was the one I was thinking of earlier. Um, see, I told you I had a short-term memory. Um, <laughs> 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 oh, that's, yeah. Uh, right, my joke. Um... I got so well. I got so. I, I, I go ones I can't tell. I go ones I can't tell. Um, uh, three balloons: mommy balloon, daddy balloon, baby balloon, all sleeping in the bed. And daddy balloon says, "One day, right, baby balloon, we're all getting a little bit too big now. You're puffing up. You're getting bigger." He said, "You're gonna have to go and sleep in your own room." And baby balloon wasn't happy about it. Uh, but he went and slept in his own room. Now, baby balloon was quite an intelligent balloon. So he got up halfway through the night and said, if I leave a little bit of air out to Daddy Balloon, and I leave a little bit of air out to Mommy Balloon, and I take a little bit of air out of me, we'll all fit in the bed really, really nice. And in the morning, Daddy Balloon wakes up, and he looks at Mommy Balloon, he looks at Baby Balloon, and he says to Baby Balloon, now, Baby Balloon, I'm not very happy. You've let me down, you've let your mother down, but more importantly, you've let yourself down. <laughs> and that will keep you entertained on the desert island for, for years on end. Ah, Carolina Wine Mixer! Scott Quinnell, thank you so much for being my guest on the Humorology Podcast. It's always a blast. Pleasure. The Humorology podcast was hosted by Paul Barros and produced by Simon Banks. Music by Steve Hayworth, creative direction by Les Hughes and additional research by Helen Sykes. Please remember to subscribe, like and leave a review wherever you get your podcasts. This has been a Big Sky production. <laughs>